Welcome to the Stop Ruining My Childhood podcast. A sometimes nostalgic, sometimes cynical look back at pop culture. Join us as we revisit movies, cartoons, and live-action TV of the 80s and 90s. And ask the question... Does this hold up, or did I just ruin my childhood? My name is Megan. And I'm Steve. And today, we're talking about Reading Rainbow. It is back-to-school season... Happy back to school. Or not, depending on how you feel about that. <laughs> I know a lot of people where their commute is beautiful in the summer. Yeah, and then now that the buses are back, it's a little bit yeah, slower. Yeah, and everybody has to leave like 20 minutes early. Um, for me, I'm back to school. For Steve, a lot of your programs are back to school, right? Yep. And um, so we also, to tie in with our back to school theme, with our educational show, Reading Rainbow... Our non-sponsored snack segment, which yes. today for back to school is Hunt's Snack Pack Puddings. Yes, Hunt's Snack Pack Puddings. And um, okay, so here's the backstory of Stephen Megan's obtaining the snack pack is that I bought two packs of snack pack pudding, one uh, chocolate and one banana cream pie. The chocolate was for me. The banana cream pie was for Steve. We did eat them. Yes. So we have one banana cream pie left. We have left. a banana cream pie snack pack pudding left. I'm going to tell you, this is not even my favorite, but I, something something just kind of hit me about that chocolate pudding. So while Steve's tasting his uh, banana cream pie pudding, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the history. Um... And we'll talk about our memories a little bit with this too, Steve, because this oh is... Oh my God, so good. This is a lot different. Don't take all the, the cream part off. I'm not. Don't, don't worry. <laughs> the um, original idea was developed in the late 1960s um, by Hunt Wesson Brands. So now it's owned by ConAgra. And basically, you know, a lot of... Um, this is what we find with a lot of packaged foods in the 70s and 80s that moms were starting to go back to work, right? Yes. So you originally, I can smell the banana. Oh, it's so good. Um, I hate fake banana, but we'll see. So a lot of moms are going back to work. And initially, like, there was the original Jello pudding that you had to, like, cook. Right. And then there was Jello instant pudding, but that still took time. So they were like, you know, moms are packing their kids' lunches. What if we have something that they can just throw in there? Right? Yes. And what ended up happening is that they developed first a shelf-stable milk. So if you think about, like, if you go into the store now, you can get, like, the evaporated milk in the yep. can or you can get boxed milk. So they developed that first, and then they developed the snack pack pudding where it was canned, didn't require refrigeration, but also, and this is the part that I remember didn't require a can opener because it had the peel back lid. Right. The, and by what the 1980s, I like to call, they went to plastic. Yeah, what I like to call the lid of death. Yeah. So <laughs> you must have had old stuff by because by 1980 they started doing plastic. No, they didn't. Yeah, they didn't do that until a few years into the 80s as well, so you have to think about like who was stocking things and also right. I don't re well there must, I think there was a, maybe another brand that did that as well, because I remember two different types. I remember theirs, and I remember one that looked almost like tuna fish can. Oh. 
Not, not, well, it didn't taste like I know, fish. but it, it looked like, like a, a short step. Yeah, like, I feel, but I, also we live near Canada. That's so some Canadian stuff. Right I don't there. know if that's Canadian or not. I don't know. Um, can I have some, please? Yeah. Thank you. So, as you mentioned, yeah, it was started in 1968. By the early 1980s, they switched from can to plastic cups um, that were opaque. And then by the 90s, they switched to clear plastic cups, which is what they're served in now. And the interesting part is, too, that Hunt Snack Pack Puddings initially started with a mascot. Yeah, I've read about this, too, but tell people what the mascot was doing. It was a horse, mm-hmm. a pony, and its name was Snack Pack. <laughs> but it would warn people to be careful with the lid. Yeah, yeah, because you didn't want somebody to cut themselves like you mentioned. Oh, why 100%. It's one of the most, most deadly snacks you know, people think, well, oh my gosh, it's a sharp lid. But you have to remember, this is in the days of, like, lawn darts, right? Where our toys could kill us as well. Yeah, but this is, like, here's the problem that I found. I did cut my fingers on the lid a couple of, of times. Did. But I, my mem- my big time memory is that, and probably because I don't learn things quickly, um, is cutting my tongue on the lid. Because you take the lid off and you lick it. Right. I know for a fact that the metal ones, I was very young because the first babysitter that I went to was before my brother was born or ju- and also just after. So we stopped going to that babysitter because I started kindergarten. Yeah. I would have been under five. But I remember very clearly um, cutting my my tongue on it. It's also possible that she like stocked up on that kind of stuff and right. it was like a year or so old. It's shelf stable, so who yeah. cares? She had a big pantry, but well, this is yeah, and sometimes people stocked up on things. I recall one time I was helping my grandmother clean out her kitchen mm-hmm. and I was down like under in her cupboards cleaning out like some of her food because she wanted to dust in there. And I pull out, I'm probably a teenager. Right? And I pull out a box of Swiss Miss that has the wooden doll on it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's it was at least 10 years old. At least. The marketing was, was completely she, different. But was she feeding that to you? Well, no. She <laughs> hadn't used it, but I was like, this is not good. We have to throw this yeah. out. Yeah. Um, I didn't really, snack pack wise, I didn't really have snack packs a lot as a kid. Oh. I was, I mentioned before, like, we tended to get kind of bit like healthier snacks. Um, but also we, we ate, we bought lunch at school, so we didn't really bring lunch a lot. I brought lunch a lot. I didn't, I had the, the, the metal ones Mm -hmm. and I really liked the metal ones. I believe, and I could be mistaken, but I believe that when they changed to plastic that they also might've changed the formula because the thing is, even with this one. The initial taste is good. There is a horrible aftertaste. And, like, a chemically, mm. like, the preservatives you can kind of taste a little bit. But, yeah, the the plastic cup snack packs are, like, the thing you get to take on a field trip. Right. Like, <laughs> my mom would freeze them for me. And I think I mentioned, well, she used to do that with, like, a Yoohoo, too, as well. Yeah. And um, she'd freeze them for me so that when we went on the field trip... It wouldn't be warm. It would be like nice cold pudding. You who you who came in glass bottles, wouldn't they break? No, it came in. Oh, Nesquik. Oh, Nesquik. Yeah. Oh, in like the boxes. 
No, that it was like a plastic. Yeah, it was a box. Yeah, okay. you're right. It was yeah. a box in Nesquik. And it was a lot of times I wanted strawberry, which made my tummy hurt. But that's fine. Okay. <laughs> She'd have to deal with it if she mm-hmm. wasn't a, one of the parents on the field trip. So how many um, books are you going to give this? For we're doing reading mm-hmm. rainbows. So we should, we should do books. We should do books. So if you haven't been with us before, it's one out of five for the snack. One out of ten for the show or movie. And um, we always pick something random. So out of books, I'll give it a three. It's not my favorite. I'd rather have, like, I'd rather make Jello pudding. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't like Jello pudding in the cup either. Again, there's just like something kind of not. But I do like it better than I like yeah. the hunts. But yeah, for nostalgic steak, and and I'll give it a three. Okay, I you know it was pretty good. There was a little bit of a chemically like chemical aftertaste to it, a little bit. But I did dig the banana cream pie flavor. Yeah, quite initially. a bit. So I'm gonna give it a four. Okay. So three and a half books out of five. Three and a half books out of five for our snack. Um, before we get into the summary of reading Rainbow and the history and fun facts, I have a confession to make. Uh-oh. About our last regular show, which was Scooby-Doo. Yes. I watched more episodes. I rated it wrong. Were you Were you finding that you were too harsh on Scooby-Doo? Yeah, I was too harsh on Scooby-Doo. And I'll tell you, I, I played it back and I was like, you know, they had clues. There were a lot of funny moments. I think I gave it, I gave it a four and you gave it a seven. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to up it to a six. Oh, so that makes it a six and a half. Yeah, and I will tell you, too, that when when you go and read other things about Scooby-Doo, other people say very distinctly that, like, the pilot, which we did watch, and a couple of the very early episodes, they it's like a show finding its rhythm. Right, they still had and to so figure I, it out. So I gave it a shot, and I watched some of the later ones, and I was like, oh, you know, I watched just two more, but I was like... That's true. Okay. <laughs> That's true. So uh, so Scooby-Doo gets a revised vote from Megan and a six and a half instead of whatever it was. Five and a half. Five and a half. Yep. That's all right. Moved it up. Moved it up a couple of a couple notches there. Still not my favorite, but definitely um, that's a personal thing. And I think also, you know, we've talked about this before. It's so hard because there's stuff like, like, Transformers and Strawberry Shortcake and where the show isn't that great, but it's like the nostalgia and the lore and the like the toys that went with it, the merchandise, right? All of those kind of things that go along with it. But I think when you look at something like Scooby-Doo, you do have to look at like, it is popular for a reason. And it it did create a legacy. We also watched the movie. We did. Yeah. After we recorded, we watched the live action movie. And I um, have to say, I've never seen it, and it was delightful. Yeah. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, it was good. It, it, I thought the acting was good. I thought it was a good cast with Freddie Prince Jr., Michelle Geller, Matthew Lillard. Um, I always forget the girl that played Thelma. <laughs> you know. I know, and now I'm blanking on it, too. And we were just talking about her earlier today. Yeah. Um, uh, Linda, Car- Linda Card- yeah. Cardellini. Linda yeah. Cardellini. Um, they did a really good, I thought they were a good cast together. I thought they did 
pretty good representations of the cartoon character they were playing. Yeah, just as a, like a mini review, what I liked is that they did representations of the cartoon, but they didn't play them as if they were the cartoon characters, right. which right. was one of the reasons I never watched it, the movie, because I thought that's yeah. kind of how it would be. But um, yeah, so I, I'd seen the movie before. Yeah, but you, you had you seen it? No, you, I had never okay. seen it. No. I had seen it before. I mean, it came out. It's been out for quite some time, but. Um, also, it has Sarah Michelle Gellar in it, who was like number one on my list for a yeah, long you time. You said that before. Oh, we're, we are going to watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer oh, in yeah, October. Oh, yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah, we are. Um, so that's something to look forward to. But anyway, just a little taking care of business there. Let's get back into Reading Rainbow. Steve, can you give a summary of so, like the show as a whole? Yep, the quick summary of Reading Rainbow. Um, Reading Rainbow is a little bit different. I mean, we just did we did our bonus with Double Dare a few weeks back, and that was a little different show as well. Yeah. This is different in the fact that, you know, there's really not a lot of plot or story to Reading Rainbow. So it's hosted by LeVar Burton, who a lot of people know from Star Trek The Next Generation or even before that, Roots. Um, and he would start the shows with kind of a little bit that he would do, usually kind of funny, humorous. Um, or costumes thematic in some way to that episode. And then he, that would lead him into a book that he would introduce, mm-hmm. some sort of a children's picture book. And then that would be read with close-ups, basically. So it's almost like a cartoon where you're seeing the picture books or you're seeing the illustrations from the book as it's read. Um, sometimes it was read by him. Other times it's read by children. Mm-hmm. I think it depends on the season. Yeah, and a few times um, celebrities. Right. Yeah. Um, but they read through this story, basically, um, of a children's book. And then after that, they would have other little bits. Like they might, you might go, say the children's book is, you know, say it was give a mouse a cookie, right? Mm-hmm. LeVar Burton then might take us to go meet a real life baker. Right. Who would show you what's involved in baking cookies, right? And so there was always some kind of a real life bit involved as well that was educational. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end of the episode, they would have children come in and give recommendations of books they've read. Yeah. Um, sometimes there would be one of the episodes we watched had just one book. Another one had another book that was read afterwards um, and then recommendations at the end. So, again, I think it me- it really depended on the episode. Yeah, and how long the book was. Exactly, how long the book was. Because the one we watched was a little bit of a shorter... Yeah, but that was basically, that's kind of the setup of what each episode was like. Of course, they're all different depending on the book they were introducing. But it was really an edu- It was a great educational um, show, right? Where it's introducing kids to books, to the fun of it. You're also getting an education with the background bits that were, you know, introduced to real people to do real jobs. It was really kind of neat. And then, of course, LeVar Burton brought a childlike kind of humor to it. Yeah, I think that's a really good, um, that's a really good way of putting it. So, for a little bit of history, to me, it's interesting how this got started. That basically, you had, um some surveys and some data that came in about literacy rates, particularly among um, children in urban areas. Okay. And so what essentially happened is that teachers felt um, what we call it is summer learning loss. That's that's kind of what it's called. Right. For, for those of you who aren't educators, it's called summer learning loss, which basically means that when kids are out of school, they get to a, they get to a certain point in school, like let's 
think of it like a ladder. They get to like step five. Mm-hmm. They go home in the summer if they don't keep up with some things like reading. Um, then they go down like two rungs on the ladder. So now we're back to step three. Now the person that teaches them next has to right. start a little bit behind. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The whole first week or two of school was all as a teacher was always reviewing. Right. Basically bringing them back up. So to school. what happened in the late seventies, early eighties is that the everybody, um, everybody now had a TV in their homes. And as we've talked about in our summer episodes, kids are outside, they're at camp, right? All of this kind of stuff. But a lot of um, kids in like inner cities can't afford to go to camp. Right. Right. Um, so, and I shouldn't say just inner cities. You're, you, you're also talking about like people in rural poverty, mm-hmm. like that kind of exactly. thing. Exactly. So kids with less money can't afford to go to camp. So they're not having some of those enrichment activities. Right. And they're either playing outside with friends or they're watching TV. At least that's kind of how parents councils and, and teachers associations kind of felt about it. So basically one of these groups that's concerned with this comes to PBS, which is public broadcasting, and says, hey, you guys do educational shows like Sesame Street. This idea gets thrown around for a couple of years, Mm -hmm. around the late 70s. And they try a couple of different... So they had like books on television, like Captain Kangaroo um, would like, they'd have books like he would read books sometimes. Yeah. Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers' yep. Neighborhood. And they would have other shows that were based on books, obviously. But they tried a show called Ride the Reading Rocket. And then they tried another show um, called The Television Library Club, which I just think is funny because it's like almost an oxymoron in a way. Right. Although Reading Rainbow really does have a feel of a library type thing to it. Yeah, it does. So basically, um, they they sit down and they, there's a couple different kind of executives and TV show developers involved in this. And they say, well, what kind of a show would we do if we had money? And they came up with like three core things. Um, that this woman, um, her last name is Liggett, and she said um, she wanted to mirror what she did in the classroom, So, but have a show that teachers wouldn't force kids to watch, that they okay. would like. So number one, read to kids out loud. Mm-hmm. Number two, get kids involved in the experience of reading. And then number three, have kids talk to each other about reading. Right. So if you think about it, the way you just described the show – the first part is them reading a book aloud. Yeah. The second part is a live action sequence that kind of helps them experience the theme of the book. Yeah. And then the third part is other kids talking to yeah, them about Yeah, recommendations books. from other kids. Yep. And um, so that's basically what they did. And then they had to find, oh, so they found funding through Kellogg's. They, that's who they partnered with. Yeah. Um, and... They were like, we couldn't have done the show if we hadn't partnered because mm-hmm. we would not have had the money. And that was basically the problem with all the ones that failed. So in the meantime, they're looking around for a host. They can't find one. And then there's basically like a children's television, like, um, you know how we went to Book Expo? Right. It's like an exposition, but for kids TV. Yeah. LeVar Burton just did a, ki- a different kids show, just like a short-lived one. Okay. And they're like, oh my goodness. 
Have you seen LeVar Burton? He's so handsome and he's so charismatic and we think kids would love him. And he's still like, he was very young still at the yep. time, but he had come off her roots and he had a really large interest still in, in like an investment in kids TV. And the biggest thing was that in, that they wanted a young male um who would appeal to boys because girls were more likely to read in the summer whereas boys were more likely to like go out and play sports and stuff right so they were like if we get a female host girls will watch but we don't know if boys will watch but if we get a male host the girls will probably still watch because he's a <laughs> but the boys will have like kind of somebody to look up to right right and lavar burton said I had done two seasons of a PBS show out of Pittsburgh called Rebop. I had an affection for PBS, and it made perfect sense to me because of the reaction to Roots. You felt the sheer power of the television medium. Over eight nights of television with Roots, he's talking about, yep. you experienced the transformation of what we meant when we talked about slavery in this country. So basically, he was like, yeah, TV is a powerful tool. So they come to him, and they're like... We want to do this thing where we talk about books with kids and we use that as like a tool. And he's like, I love this quote because he just keeps saying this quote in all these articles. He's like, it made perfect sense, <laughs> which I just think is so funny. Um, so that's basically how Reading Rainbow came to be and how they ended up, you know, getting the series. Um, excuse me. They basically have a series about summer reading loss, and they pretty much did it almost for free because they, they had a sponsor through Kellogg, and um, they really wanted to, like, maintain the integrity of that, and it was on the air. Um, the kids that they found initially were in from Buffalo. Okay, we and found, that was that where they filmed it? They started there, and they said, we found the kids in Buffalo for the first few years did they film it there or they were just like you know what let's look in buffalo i don't know i can't find that but they found real kids from buffalo which is so cool like being from there yeah. oh, you I missed wish... your chance you could have been on reading rainbow if i if i had been on reading rainbow my heart would have exploded it would have <sighs> been my best day ever you have no idea we'll what, talk about what, that what with book memories. would have you re would you recommended oh every book i don't even know <laughs> I don't even know. And they only do, they really focus on picture books, you know, because yeah. it's really for like a certain, um, but yeah, they were basically like, they test like a hundred kids and they'd be like, all right, which one of these six year olds has presents? Right. Which I think is hysterical. Um, but she, a librarian in New Jersey had the idea for the kids to do book reviews um, and she she had a little file on her desk where kids left their own reviews and it said, here, here you go. You don't have to take my word for it. Um, and that's where that line comes that's from. That's where they and they use that line. Don't take my word for it. Yep. Yeah, that was a good one. And some of the kids have, you know, not only a little bit of charisma, but I mean, some of these kids pitch these books hard. Oh, yeah. They really like, love some these. of them are tell. like trying to sell ice to Eskimos. I was like, <laughs> OK. Yeah. There were some controversies. Oh, rain, reading rainbow controversies? About, yeah, reading rainbow controversies. Listen, everybody, this is behind the scene scoop. Um, Megan's going to dish the tea, as the kids say. Okay. 
first, there were a lot of conversations about LeVar Burton's mustache (laughs) and whether or not he should have it or not. And then second, he got his ear pierced. Uh Uh-oh. And he says, I remember those conversations and I remember saying, look, if you want me, you've got to take all of me. Whether I have a mustache or not, an earring or not, my authenticity and enthusiasm will come through. I, I feel like the mustache came and went through the years, didn't I it? I think so, yeah. Probably depending like, on if I'm he was in Star gonna... Trek or not. Yeah, also the fact that this went so long. I mean, it's only a summer show, but they've done they did like over a hundred episodes. Um, and it was twenty six seasons. So it stopped yeah. it stopped airing in two thousand six. And that was pretty much just because like the landscape of television changed so right. much. Um, There's so many channels, cable channels now, 24-hour day kids programming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, you know, a lot of the celebrities who read the books did that for free. Oh, nice. Um, And they just knew, like, hey, this is something to help kids. Same thing with, like, the people, um, from what I can tell, the people whose book it was. Um, You know, they, they had... We'll talk about this when we get into our recap, but they they had enough money to sometimes do, like, animation on, like, one of the pictures. Yeah. (laughs) But... They they had that Kellogg's money. Yeah. That's the Kellogg's money. But the, you know, they didn't have to get, like, they got a release to do the book, not, like, they didn't have to pay, I don't think, for copyright, right? But also, if you're featured on there, they're probably going to be better sales anyway, so... Yeah, I would think that that's more of a promote. It's more of a promotion, so it's not a copyright thing. But it it seemed to have worked. I mean, it was a very... It was a very popular show. Kids loved it, Um, and I'm sure that we will have, like, interesting... Interesting memories from it. Yeah. So, um... Having said that, we're going to take our break. When we come back, we'll talk about those memories and then we'll get into our full review and recap. This podcast is supported by its creators and listeners like you. Help keep our show ad free by visiting our website, stopruiningmychildhood.com. There you can find links to our social media and this very podcast you're currently listening to. Both Megan and I are authors, and you can find links to our books on our About page. And on our Watch With Us page, you can find videos and links for all the shows and movies we discuss on the podcast. And more importantly, links to buy the nostalgic snacks we review as well. We also post bonus content about once a month. So like, subscribe, and follow. For a small, independent podcast like ours, it really does make a difference. Thanks! And now, back to the show. So, Steve, before we start our memories, I just want to make a note that you can still enjoy listening to LeVar Burton read to you because (laughs) he has a podcast that I did not know about until I started doing research for this show, and it's called LeVar Burton Reads, and Steve, it is delightful. It is the most calming, lovely beautiful podcast <laughs> and listen if you if you stop listening to ours to listen to his i get it <laughs> well but, let's not get crazy but yes but we... he um he basically says like hey the only story the only thing these short stories have in common is that i like them <laughs> that's it and he tells you a little bit about the story sometimes um and then he reads it to you and it's so nice <laughs> I'm like, I only want audiobooks read by LeVar Burton from now on. 
Anyhow. All right, Steve Hall. So what are your memories of reading Rainbow? Um, I definitely remember reading Rainbow on TV. Like I said, I had early cable, um, but I recall it. I mean, I probably was clicking through channels on PBS as well. And even with early cable, there still wasn't a ton of channels. Mm-hmm. So I, I saw a lot of Reading Rainbow, especially because I was one of those kids early on in my my youth that was latchkey during the year and during the summer. Basically, the TV was my babysitter, which I think was a big thing in the eighties for a lot of kids. Um, so I saw a lot of Reading Rainbow. I don't, I don't, you know, it's not like any episodes jump out at me. I just remember watching it a lot and seeing books and and I was always, I mean, I always enjoyed reading anyway. Yeah. You know, I read, I, st- I could, I started reading at a very young age, about three. Um, so I could, I could read chapter books in like kindergarten, right? So I was a little more advanced, but I still really enjoyed the show. I liked the reading. I liked all the little stuff. I liked Lavar Burton a lot. Yeah. So let's let's just pause to talk about a thing that you just said because you and I had a conversation with my parents recently. Do you remember what they said about why cuz I said to them, "How come you didn't teach me to read like before I went to school?" Right. And what did they say? I'm trying I don't remember. Did they say like they didn't want to... They were like you were awkward enough. We didn't want you oh, to be yeah. more awkward. That <laughs> Thanks, makes sense. mom and dad. Well, and they also, like, you know, educational theories shift and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I think the educational theories at the time were that if you had um, a child who learned to read too early, that that could in some way be detrimental to them socially. Yep. And so um, that's one of the things that they were kind of trying to prevent, which makes total sense given my entire life trajectory <laughs> up, up until this point and including possibly now. Okay, but here's the thing. I love books so much and I have a pretty big children's book collection, but I was obsessed with this show, like full on obsessed. And when I finally did learn to read and write, I watched this show for a very long time. Um, when I finally did learn to read and write, it was be I would write down all the recommendations that look good to yep. me. And I do remember very specific episodes from this. Um, Liang and the Magic Paintbrush. Reading Rainbow, what what I really appreciated about it at the time, and also here now as an adult, I can kind of be like, oh, that's what I what I was appreciating, and kind of like put it into words, is that. Um, a lot of the books had like cultural or, um, historical influences, or it would be like, like Leaning the Magic Paintbrush is a, is a story from an Asian writer, mm-hmm. um, or an, uh, possibly an Asian American writer. Um, there were other ones that took place like, you know, in, um, in, the adobes of Arizona or there were other. So you would learn about like native American culture. You would learn about Asian history. You would learn about like, you could learn about all these different things that for, to me, a lot of times those were things that were not taught in school. Right. I think they are now, but I think at that point in time in the early, you know, when I was watching this would have been very early eighties and, and, possibly into the 90s because mm-hmm. my brother watched it too um but 
what I one of the things that I liked about it was that it wasn't like some of the other kids programming where, you know, kids can tell when they're like, well, I guess maybe they can't tell when they're being sold something because we've talked about how many times they've developed like toys and cartoons. Yes. But um, but I feel like when you're when you're overly didactic, kids can tell when you're trying to teach them something like when you're trying too hard. But you know, things like later on, Sesame Street became like kind of more commercialized where they made like all these toys based on all the characters you had later on um, when my brother was little um, and I think maybe a little after him was Barney. Mm-hmm. And shows like Mr. Rogers Neighborhood and Reading Rainbow and a couple other kids, they never really tried to do that. Yeah. You know? Um, but it's just, it's just a show that I remember enjoying in the summer and I loved reading and I would, I would go to the library and, oh, because also my public library every summer had a contest where you would go in and you would take books out and then you would, um, come back in with a list of which ones you had read and how many, and they would add them up and then you'd get a little thing. So it was like a little punch card and then you got a certain color for different markers. So if you read five books, you'd get like a little, like they'd have them all on a wall and you'd put yours up there for five. And then if you read 10, you could take the five off and you'd put up a 10 on like the next step. Um, At a certain point, the decision was made in my household, and I don't remember if it was me because I, I don't love competition, um, or my parents, that I would maybe not play along with this game. Because you were reading too many? Yeah. And, yeah. like, the highest you could go was 50, and maybe I had read more than that. <laughs> um, this is like Book It. Did you have Book It at your school? It might have been Book It. Is no, no. Right? Did you have, it was at a school. Book It was a program when I was in school. Uh-huh. And this pertains right to this actually too. Yeah. Where um, you had a pin and for every so many books you read and did like, I think you had to do like a little report on it, but it was just a sheet, right? Right. For every so many books you read, you got a star on your, on your Book It pin, no. right? Yeah. And when you filled the pin, you could go to Pizza Hut. It was a national program that Pizza Hut ran, and you got a free personal pan pizza. Steve, I would have been eating a Pizza Hut so much. It was much. awesome. It was the greatest. <laughs> if anybody out here, out listening, was in Book It, like I was grew up, this was when I was growing up in Texas, so I don't know if it was a regional. I don't think it was. Like, comment, like, either on Facebook or whatever. Let us know how many people were in Book It, <laughs> because it was the best. Yeah, you went in Pizza Hut, like, they all knew about it. Like, you come in with your little pin, and they're like, oh, you get your first your personal pan pizza, and you bring it over. It was, like, the best. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, what's what's hilarious about the library thing, um, first of all, I, I just to follow up with yours, I was chubby as a kid. I would have been so fat. I would have been wanting to eat Pizza Hut all the time. It was the best. It like, I'm excited yeah, about it awesome. right now talking. Like, I want to be in Book It again <laughs> now, and go and get a personal now pizza. Now kids would just, like, plagiarize and look yeah. it up online. We have that privilege. Listen, um, the thing about my book program is that you did not get anything other than a higher mark on the ladder. 
Oh yeah, no, we got pizza. But, listen, but my brother for years made fun of me because whenever I'd go into the library, and this is like as a full-on adult, mm-hmm. okay? Full-on adult, and I walk into the library. I have not lived in this town for years. I walk into the library, and every librarian, oh, hi, Megan. Megan, how are you doing? Oh, it's good to see you oh, back. Megan. My brother's like, why do all the librarians here know you? You've been in college. I was in college and then I moved around for like to different states, right? Mm-hmm. No, listen, Lockport, New York, the public library. I have lived in eight different states. That library is the best library I have ever been to or belonged to. It is an amazing library. Amazing. And um, the other thing is that after that, we've talked about that I would also, like, in middle school and high school, have my mom drop me off so I could do research on whatever was of my interest at that point. Yeah. The JFK assassination. I got really into uh, the idea of time travel and parallel worlds at one point. I was trying to, like, read about those. Um, oh, we talked about yesterday, Saturday Night Live. I was, like, researching different people that were on SNL. So it's not surprising that that's, like, what I teach now obviously. But um, yeah, it's like my home away from home. And um, this show is just a a really gentle show to help other kids who don't have libraries like that. Yeah. And who don't have maybe parents who read to them um, like you were talking about. So let's get into the show. We started with season one, episode three, B and Mr. Jones um, is the title, B-E-A. And or Bia, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Um, and the thing to know here is that you can find some of these episodes on um, Amazon Prime. Um, we found them on YouTube. And it appears that like since around maybe 2010, when Reading Rainbow got fully taken off the schedule. So they stopped filming in 2006, but they were kind of like in syndication or showing reruns. Right. Um. I guess they've been kind of trying to get the back catalog and then make it like available for everyone again. But um but we found like I guess bootleg copies. Yeah. Of Reading Rainbow <laughs> on YouTube. And now my algorithm is like, do you want to watch all these other Reading Rainbow? And I was like, okay. <laughs> but tell us um a little bit, Steve. Can you just do a quick overview of Bia and Mr. Well, Jones? It might be easier with the type of section with the type of of shows that these were for us to go section by section for the three yeah, sections. Yeah, that's true. Um, but the first thing we have to start, ta- we have to talk about is the introduction song. Oh, I love the song so much. Reading Rainbow. Reading Take Rainbow. a look. It's in a book. What What do you think of the song? I can fly anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I um, we had to find the original because the remix. I don't care for. I it. didn't care for the remix song that must have been added later. It's not even the the visuals behind it, which are fine. It's just uh, there's something about the electronic version of the music that yeah, I don't I don't really care for. Um, no, it's just it's supposed to be inspiring, and it's supposed to draw kids into the experience of reading. Where this is about. It's not just you're watching a show. It's your imagination. Yeah. So it's where the book can take you. Do you want to pretend you're a pirate or an explorer? Mm-hmm. Do you want to pretend you're in space? And it has good little animation that goes with all yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah, I did like it. I love it. And it's one of those things that's an earworm. It sticks in your head forever. Like, oh, I yeah. can still... I mean, I didn't watch before this episode of Reading Rainbow in 30 years. 
but like the reading rainbow song can pop right in my head. Like it's just something you you always know. I think. Yeah, for um, sure. So so they start. So we start off the first segment is that opening bit I talked about. It's like a little comedy bit. It is, and here, I mean, this is only the third episode of the show, and I've got wrote down on my notes is Lavar Burton is showing the tough stress of of filming TV. Yeah, he breaks the fourth wall. Yeah, to and they they film the film crew, and he does these little jokes about you know how many takes it's been and things like that. But here's here's what what I was surprised about. This is episode three. You could have told me that this was episode 103 and I would have believed you. It's so like natural and it flows from point to point. So yeah, he, he's, you said he kind of, it shows some humorous pieces of how many takes it does. It's like 56 takes, things like that. And then at first I was like a little confused. I'm like, this is just a weird intro, but it makes sense after the book is read. Yeah, it does. And so we can kind of we can bring that back after we we talk a little bit about the book. So it's establishing a theme it basically, is. but I can also see how for kids it would grab your attention. It definitely would. Because yeah. especially he's trying to say like rubber baby buggy bumpers. Like Yeah, he's doing tongue twisters. He's doing it, yes. tongue twisters and it's yeah, it's kind of it's kind of funny. Um and then we have the book pretty much right away. Yeah, they jump right into B and Mr. Jones. Um, B is a five-year-old who is tired of her mo- monotonous life. Yes. She <laughs> hates going to kindergarten every day. And at the same time, her father, who is referred to as Mr. Jones, um, which just keeps making me think of the song Mr. Jones and Me. Yes. Um, Mr. Jones is sick of work. And his job is boring and he hates it. And um, the book is being read by actress Madeline Kahn. Oh, okay. Who you might know from... uh, Kahn! No. (laughs) That's a good guess. Um, In um, a lot of things with um, Peter Bogdanovich and also Mel Brooks. Okay. So, What's Up Doc? Young Frankenstein. Um... History of the World Part 1, Blazing Saddles, like those kind of okay. things. Yeah, she's a really, uh, a lot of things in like the late 70s, early 80s. Okay. So, um. So B and Mr. Jones decide to switch places for the day. Yes. Since Mr. Jones is tired of his marketing job in the big city and B is tired of kindergarten. Yeah. So this is my favorite part of the book. That B puts on a coat and tie. And feels important. And Mr. Jones puts on sneakers and does cartwheels. Yes. Then, um, Mr. Jones, I've got in my notes. So Mr. Jones creepily goes to spend kin- to spend kindergarten with all the kids who aren't his. Yes. All day. Yes. Um, also, I just want to say for anybody uh, wondering, our dog has invaded our <laughs> recording space. And she likes to purr for some she's reason a purring dog. as she's being pet. At any rate, yeah. So, um, yeah, and it's never. I mean, B and Mister Jones are having breakfast together. Mm-hmm. It's never outright stated that this is her dad. I just want to. I be, mean, that's the assumption. But it is Beatrice. That's what her her name's short for. So yeah. yeah. Um. So he he. She's going to work on the Crumbly Crackers campaign. 
Yep. At Smith and Smith Advertising. And Mr. Jones hands the teacher a note. <laughs> this says he he wrote a note himself that says B's not coming in today. He's coming in to spend the day in kindergarten and they've switched places. That's hilarious. And then signs it because he's the parent. Yeah, he signs it. And the kindergarten teacher's like, okay, I guess this 40-year-old guy will just be in with the kindergartners all yeah. day long. And then they both have such a good day that they decide not to switch back. Well, what's funny is that this is how it just starts. Mr. Jones helps Jimmy out of a tree. He's the milk and cookie monitor. Yes, he... He's the milk and cookie monitor. Bia gives the secretary the day off and just sharpens pencils all day. So the first day, they're just kind of messing around. Right. But then they just decide to do it all the time. And then eventually, B helps with the jingle for the campaign. She's going out to lunch with people. I wrote down here, how hard is Mr. Jones' job that B fits in just fine? (laughs) Well, because it's an advertising company for, like, kids' snack. And so, of course, she knows kids. And so, but yeah, she becomes a little executive. (sighs) It's hilarious. Eventually, she gets moved on. Wait, I can't. I was, I was expecting this to end with them switching, like learning a lesson. Like, oh, wow, that was a nice little break. But I really do belong in marketing. And B's like, I really just want to be a kid. No. no they just, st- the book ends. They've just, B is now a five-year-old marketing advertising exec. Okay, listen. And Mr. Jones is permanently in kindergarten. We don't know if he's going to move up to first grade next year or if he's just going to stay in kindergarten forever with his big bushy mustache. I mean, come on. Here's, yeah, here's what I think is hilarious is that B, I, I, you could see a kid maybe who's like a kid genius doing something like this. Or like there are little kids like now who are like, um, you know, they'll start their own like business and it'll right. like blow up. So that part I kind of, I'm like, okay. Beatrice Hauser, M.E., marketing exec. Yeah, marketing exec. Um, like, yeah, like Doogie like Hauser. Doogie Hauser, yeah. But what I don't understand is that Mr. Jones is going to spend the rest of his life as if he's kind of, like, impaired in some way. Just going to kindergarten. And he's spelling out, like, the one scene, and no kid would... This is a parental joke, okay? Mm. This is a joke for parents. He spells out anti-disestablishmentarianism with the alphabet blocks. With the blocks, yes. (laughs) And becomes the teacher's pet. But that's the thing, that this is why I think this this show works, though. Because the whole point is that it is a show that kids want to watch. It's right. not just teachers teaching them a lesson. And this book is, it's the whimsy, right? Children's books are always a balance between whimsy and fun on the one end and education on the other end. And like we've said on this show, like not every kid's show has to be educational. Um, not every book has to be educational, right? Right. But I just think it's a little, there isn't any lesson. They just go, okay, that's yeah. it. We love our jobs now. They then switch back to LeVar, who impersonates a police officer and a monarch. 
What, when he's dressed up like a policeman, it's clear that he's doing this thing again of like, as an actor, you right. get to dress up in different things. It, but this kid asks him, he's lost. And he comes up and he goes, I don't know how to get, how to get home. Uh, he, and LeVar goes, well, where do you live? And the kid tells him, he goes, oh, you just go three blocks down and two blocks over. Yeah. Which is. That's not far at all. That's is, how you ended up on a also, film set. This is also how you end up on a milk curtain, Steve. Yeah, especially that, in the 80s, that right? You, that you are lost and a policeman just gives you vague directions. But it was at this point that I started, that I got the bit. Yeah. Right? Because, and actually, this happened in both episodes we saw. The intro initially, I was like, that's, it's cute, but kind of weird. After the book was read, I was like, okay, now I know where they were going with this, right? And here, now he's put, he's, he's dressing up as a police officer because he's an actor. He's putting, dressing up as a king, right? So it's different roles that he's playing, just like B and Mr. Jones switched roles. Yeah. And, and they, I was like, okay, now, cause now you have context of the book. And they found jobs that they enjoyed. Right. Like that's the other part of it as well. Um, yeah. So he also, um, he mentions there's some there's some again some like references that would be more for adults mm-hmm. um and this is how okay listen this is my one of my one of my soapbox things there is a correct way to do things for kids that also appeal to adults mm-hmm. and what ends up happening particularly since shrek um because they tried to do it a certain way. Yes. Is that it ends up being like sexual innuendos that they don't think kids will get. In Shrek, not here. In Shrek. Yeah. yeah. Or like, a, again, like adult humor jokes, things that are not appropriate for kids right. that they assume will go over the heads of kids. The other way to do it is by doing what they do here, which is he, he, um, he impersonates or dresses up as a vampire yeah. He makes references to Basil Rathbone. He makes references to Shakespeare. He does some Shakespearean lines. So these are things that, like, they're older. I mean, not the Shakespeare, but like the Basil Rathbone. They're they're older references that parents would pick up on. Right, and the kid might ask the parent what that is. Right. So it almost is like an education opportunity. Yes, because that's the thing. Then you can talk to the kid about what do you want to be. Yeah. Right? And that's what we kind of have going into it. We have kids talking about in the live segment after that, um, that they'd like to be. This was my favorite. What were some of the things the kids said they wanted to be? Did you write those no, down? No. I oh. just know I put down that they had a group that this they had a little panel of kids who all said what they wanted to be when they grew up. Yeah, and they said things like a teacher, a doctor, a photographer. A lawyer because my cousin is a lawyer and I like what they do. But then the one girl right in the smack middle goes, a princess. Yeah. (laughs) Which is such a good answer. But they left it in. Like that's the great thing because, you know, this is a show about imagination. So we don't have to necessarily be a doctor or a football player, right? right? You can imagine yourself anything. So I just thought that was cool. So then we get a second book. Which we don't yeah. have in the other episode. Part of it's because B and Mr. Jones wasn't really long, but also this book is actually it's a poet. It's poetry, mm-hmm. so it's very short. It's illustrated, but it's basically a poem. Yeah, they the also they do something interesting where they intercut between the illustrations, which are stag you know stagnant illustrations, mm-hmm. and then live footage footage yeah. of kids playing with kites and balloons and things. Mm-hmm. It's really quite interesting. And then we come to 
my hero. Like the educational piece, like the real life educational piece of this episode. Yes. Jason. Jason Hardman. Who's what, 12 at the time? 12 at the time. And he started a, a library. Now, ruining our childhood a little bit, we looked him up and he has passed away. Possibly from COVID because it was pretty recently and he's not that much older than us. It's not clear. Yeah, it wasn't clear. But but I will say that this kid, what he did, did end up lasting a long time in this town and like is still benefiting the town to this day. Yeah, he basically started a library and what he said at one point, they interviewed him and he had like... Well, over 10,000 books? He had 4,000 books at his home that he was in the process of cataloging Mm -hmm. and 6,000 at a library. Um, And basically, he lived in this very small rural area. They did not have a town library and he loved reading. And so to get to the, the next town over, he would have to ride his bike. And that library was like, what do you say, like nine miles away? Yeah, nine miles away. And so. Um, he said that they should have their own. And then when that kind of went public, um, and he was on like the Letterman show and stuff for like being the youngest kid librarian. Yeah. And, um, so he, he got a little space and got some things and then it went it, like for the eighties, it went viral. Right. And then people started donating books. Yeah, they started sending more books. And I got, they had a section where they were interviewing him and he's talking and he's got like, he's got a. A space in his teeth. And I write down, kid runs a library, but doesn't even have all his adult teeth yet. Right. No, he doesn't. No, he's got his, some of his baby teeth still. And also, he does, I'm sorry, he does school. He comes home from school. He's like doing cataloging or reading or playing. And his mom goes, Jason, it's time to open the library. And she, and then he gets on his little bike. And pedals two miles still. <laughs> To the library, to, and he open he has to open it up in case people yeah. want to check stuff out. And that, but he says, as they're interviewing him on his bike, and he goes, "This is a lot better because now I only have to ride two miles instead of nine." I'm sorry, it's so cute though. And then they show him in a, I'm sorry, they show him in a meeting pestering the mayor. He goes, in the town council. But he yes. goes, I give my report quarterly to the town council and then he talks about the size of space that he thinks he needs the fact that there's a lot of humidity which is not good for some of the books especially he has like an original little women he has an original jack london like he's got all of these books oh my gosh it's just it's just amazing and from what i can tell eventually they closed the library for a short period of time because of that moisture issue, moved it yeah. later on once he had moved and his family had moved out of the area um, and then reopened it. And it still has similar hours. I mean, it's yeah. a very small town. It's so a volunteer it's, library. It's open from yeah. like, you know, four to 10 yep. or, or four to eight or whatever. Yeah. But um, yeah, it would never have been there had it not been from this kid. So it's a really inspiring story for I mean, for, kids. for us even, but and especially even, yeah. for kids, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, to see that and be like, oh, I could do that. Like, that was really cool. And so then it ends the end, the, the last section with more kid referrals. And I did at one point card catalog by home library of course you did as a child and also our video library oh boy i was tired of not knowing what books i had and what books i didn't Um, i did that too it's called my watch list on netflix (laughs) 
It's no, no, for me. no, I, I had everything, um, for our videos, especially cause they were all like shoved under the TV. So I libraried, I made a library out of mm-hmm. them and I had categories for, um, like comedy, drama, whatever. And then I had them also in alphabetical order. So they were cataloged twice, like a card catalog would do. <laughs> I'm kind of a nerd, I guess. All right. Um, academic camp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. So. Um, we have then our second episode. Which we jumped to season five. Yep. Episode eight. Oh, Called sorry. Best Friends. And LeVar Burton starts off in a pile of puppies. Yes. Again, I'm like, all right, that's cute, but I don't, I don't know where we're going with this. I actually wrote in my notes, puppy mill question mark. And then I just cut, uh, just kidding. It was like a little puddle cuddle. Like a little puppy, yeah. Like a little puppy cuddle, yeah. Um, and so again, like you said before, it's it's only a very short little segment, and then we're into the book, right? The book where they jump in the book very early in all these episodes, which I like. And the book is called Best Friends, and it starts with two girls. Um, Luis is one of them. Uh, Luis goes to I don't know if I ever actually get the the girl who's the narrator's name. Oh, Beth. Yeah, it's just a kid Beth reading it. and her friend Louise. So this is actually a book, if I'm not mistaken, I think this is the book by Stephen Kellogg. Um, Stephen Kellogg wrote over 90 children's books. I don't know if he's related to the Kellogg family or if it's just I don't know but I know for a fact because I recognize the name I did not recognize this book I think they did at least uh, they they did a couple others of his books as well yeah um so these two girls are like best friends they do everything together and then Louise goes to visit her aunt and uncle yeah this was to me a little bit of an odd book because The story that you think you're starting with, like, the story changed a couple of times. Like, my expectations. Does that make sense? Like, I thought it was going to be about two girls who are friends and they're doing imagination about, like, horses. And then the one girl goes off to summer camp. Yeah. And then the other girl is home. And then they, you follow her for a little bit. And then, um... It it comes back. I mean, there's just a lot going on here. And it's also, it's also though, every time I was like, oh, okay, it's a cute story, it took a turn. Yeah, that's what I'm and saying. And got my attention, right? Like, Luis goes to visit her aunt and uncle in Pinecone Beach. Yeah. She writes back to Beth, telling her what a great time she's having, and she's making lots of friends. And Beth says, Luis made lots of friends and was a traitor. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then... Beth wishes Luis and all of Pinecone Beach would be destroyed by a volcano. Yeah. What? Like, we just took a really dark turn. Because it's all about imagination, right? So it's, um, yeah. And then, and then there's a puppy. Yeah, her new neighbor offers her a puppy. But again, that's like a whole different, there's like four books in this book. Yeah. Like her getting a pup. So she gets a puppy. Oh, okay. Her neighbor's dog has puppies. And she says, I would give a good home for a new puppy, but I would never let Louise know about it. And I would never let Louise play with my puppy. And I want the spotted one. And then Louise comes back and her mom, her mom wants to get Louise a puppy. And Beth is like, 
I had to admit she would give a good home. <laughs> yeah. Louise returns and rubs her vacation in Beth's face. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then tries to make up for it with gifts. Which, like, a lot of gifts. A sweatshirt, a whistle, a lanyard. They run through, like, eight different gifts she's gotten yeah. her. I'm trying, and it's funny because I'm trying to take Beth's stance on this, that Louise is horrible and should die in a volcano. But Louise just went and visited her aunt and uncle, and then she thought of her friend and brought back a sweatshirt and a whistle. So yeah. she's really a nice kid. And she's written to her as well. Beth's she just did, out for blood. She did best friend pen pal mm. times with her, yeah. and Beth's like, forget you, Louise. And um, yeah, now here's now the sad part, that as an adult is sad, as a kid you would not know. Mm-hmm. The the dog only has one puppy in her litter. Yes. That doesn't Yeah. That, that doesn't is sad. Typically happen. But it doesn't typically happen. She has one puppy and Luis gets everything including the puppy. No, they share the puppy. Louis, not at first. First Luis gets the puppy because the puppy comes out and it's all brown and Beth the main character Had wanted, wanted one with spots. Yeah. And so she said, "Well, Luis can have that one. I'll have the next puppy." And then no more puppies come. <laughs> It's such a dark story. It's such a dark story. Um, and anyway, they name him Golden Silver. They name him Golden Silverwing, which is the same name they gave their their imaginary imaginary unicorn. horse. Yeah, and they Beth, share the puppy. I don't know. So then we come back to the puppies, right? Now it makes sense why he's in a pile of puppies, right? Because there was puppy in the book. Well, it's supposed to be the hook to grab your interest. Yeah. You're like, how come he's in puppy? I'm not complaining. I just It's actually kind of neat that you see this thing and you're like, what yeah. the heck? And then you get it after the book. And then we have a thing again with kids talking. What do you, and, and the question is here, what do you like to do with your friends? And they um, <laughs> doubt. Push them in a volcano. No, I want to I say this without laughing, but just so people can hear me better. Sledding, library, beach, bikes. These are some of the answers. And then we come to one girl who says, I have an imaginary friend named Sarah. Oh, it's the saddest thing ever. I can't say it. It was the saddest thing ever. Without, I mean, you guys, you have to listen to me. There is no irony here, okay? This is what she says. I have an imaginary friend named Sarah. She goes to school with me, but nobody else can see her because she's invisible. And then they cut away, and I'm like crying. And then they cut away to someone's like, me and my friend play baseball. Yes! And it's like the saddest thing ever. (laughs) Oh my god. And here's here's what's really sad. I'm going to be honest with you. This is some little girl from Buffalo who has an imaginary friend, and she and I probably could have been best friends. You know? Because I lived in that area. I love reading. She obviously loves reading. Oh my gosh. Then it switches then it switches to the educational piece again, which was awesome. Yeah, it's about a girl also named Beth, Mm -hmm. Beth Richmond, and her family who train seeing eye dogs. Yes. Which is really interesting. Except that Beth's brother is a little pill and a whiner, and I didn't care for that. But they they go back and forth between what what I found interesting. Okay, I'm going to tell you guys, I legitimately learned something from this. Yeah. Because I didn't realize or think about, they do have to train the dog. They also have to train the person who's going to have the dog. Yeah. So they do different exercises with the person who's going to receive the dog. To show her what it will be like having a dog and how to rely on the dog 
and all of those kind of things. It's very, it was very interesting. Yes. Very, very interesting. Then we go back to Beth's house and her brother's like, but I want to keep the dog. I'm attached to it. And I also noticed there's Rice Krispies on the table with no fake label because this is sponsored by Kellogg's. Right. <laughs> this is the only, I don't think it was even intentional no, product placement. but they didn't have to worry I about it. I just think they were like, leave it up. They're eating Rice Krispies for breakfast. But the mom goes, well, I know you're attached to the dog, honey, but that dog is going to be the best friend and, uh, you know, help somebody else out. And that's why we have the dog to, you know, train it up. And the kid's like, I don't care. <laughs> But Beth understands, and they yes. give up the dog. Then she gets a new puppy to train. Yep. Um, then they switch to a little segment on dog shows. Yeah, which was interesting. It was as just well. a little mini segment. Just a little on mini thing, shows. yeah, about training a dog for a dog show. And yep. then we get into our um, our kid recommendations, and we have um, one about a cat, and then a gift for Tia Rosa, which I think is also about a pet, and then um, <laughs> then. My favorite thing is these are all kids, right? And then they have a dog sitting next to the book, but a human voice behind yeah, it. Yeah, vo- voicing the dog, yes. And and the book is called The Puppy Who Wanted a Boy. Yes. Which is also sad, but not as sad as that little girl's imaginary friend. Oh, my Sarah. goodness. So- I don't even know her name, but I know the name of her imaginary friend. <laughs> Steve. This is like on The Office, there's this thing with Michael Scott where they show a clip of him from being on a kid's show. And he's like, I want to have a hundred kids. And the puppet's like, why? And he goes, so I can have a hundred friends and and nobody will ever make fun of me or leave me again. Yeah, that's that's, that's how sad this was. You guys, this was like a real life version of that moment. Oh my gosh. So at any rate, the kid recommendations and the dog recommendations close out the show. Yep. And that's the end of the two episodes we watched. What's the reception, Steve? What so, do people think Reading about Rainbow it? won a lot of awards. Oh, I bet it did. Um, Action for Children's Television Awards, Image Awards, Monitor Awards. But really the big ones I wanted to, to touch base on. Okay. This is really the, the showstopper that I think tells you the reception. Mm-hmm. Reading Rainbow won 15 Daytime Emmys. Wow. It was nominated 58 times. Whoa. For Daytime Emmy Awards. Okay. And it also was nominated twice for Primetime Emmys, which must have been some kind of special they were running uh-huh. where it was on at nighttime. Okay. That's crazy. 58 Yo, nominations, so- 15 wins. And it's hilarious because I was, I was telling you one time, I was watching something with LeVar Burton's daughter. Mm-hmm. And she was doing an interview zooming from home. Yes, you She's did. zooming from their house in his den. And behind her is this line of Emmy Awards. <laughs> yeah. Um. The nighttime ones, I'm guessing, so when remember when we were on um, YouTube looking for episodes? Yeah. Some of them were like an hour and a half. It might have been like a nighttime, I'm guessing that time was thing. the prime time. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So 58 daytime nominations, 15 Emmy Awards. Wow. Yeah, that's astounding. Were they like for kids shows or just for like best programming? Or? They were just all over the place. I mean, you know, outstanding performance in a kids show for LeVar Burton. He was nominated a lot. Outstanding children's series. Um, they, you know, they won for 
Outstanding Children's Series. They won and they for had to beat out Outstanding like... Videotape Editing, mm. which was done really well. Um, a lot of children's series. Outstanding Directing in a children's series. They had to beat out Sesame Street for that as well. Um, because that's who they would have been up against. And anybody on, like we've talked about, early Nickelodeon, right? Our dog is storing it. Um... Outstanding live and direct to tape sound mixing in a children's series, which is interesting. Okay. Let me ask you this, though. Did LeVar Burton win People Magazine's Sexiest Man of the Year? Did he? No. Okay. <laughs> but he certainly deserved to. Well, I, I mean, he, he's, he's, a, he's a handsome man, but I don't know if he's Sexiest Man of the Year material. He's, Anybody who reads me a book is going to automatically jump up <laughs> like two or three points on the ten point scale. He's not Hugh Jackman, Ryan Reynolds level. What? They were sexiest men of the year. No, stop it. Um, At any rate, um, so that's what that's what the awards had. To, that's the reception, the amount of awesome awards they got. Yeah. So what did you think of reading Rainbow? Listen, you know, the question we ask on this show, did I ruin my childhood? Which basically says, does this hold up? Is it as good as I remember? A hundred percent, this is as good as I remember. The only thing, as I said, that ruined my childhood is, is you know, finding out some of the things about people later on, right? That you, um, that I should not have looked up yeah. <laughs> or done research about. But, um... No, this 100% holds up. I enjoyed watching it. I legitimately, I do, I have a children's book collection. I would um, I would watch more of these on my own. I know that sounds silly. I might not watch the entire show, but I would watch the part where they read the book. Right. You know? <laughs> um, some of the, some of my favorites are that we did not, I, we specifically did not do things that were my favorite because I didn't want to be biased. Yes. So, like, Miss Nelson is missing, um, the one with the magic paintbrush, magic, um, you know, I love Can You Give a Mouse a Cookie? Now, that was long after we right. were kids. But um, things like that, like, we, I specifically didn't pick those because I, I didn't, oh, my one of my favorites is Gregory the Goat, which I do have a copy of. He, it's this goat who eats every, anything, but his favorite thing is, like, old tin cans. Of course it is. And thanks, yeah. Um... But this this definitely held up. I think, does it look dated? I mean, other than some of his, you know, the fact he has a mustache in some of them, mm-hmm. um, the the film obviously isn't as crisp as mm-hmm. things we watch now. But I don't think that it felt as dated to me as some of the other things we watched. Because right. kids are kids and you, you know, sure the clothes might be or whatever, but if you showed this to a five or six year old, I think that they would enjoy it. Um, and yeah, so for me, I have to, I'm going to have to go with a 10. I, I have to wow. say. Wow. Okay. Yeah. No, this is solid 10. I think it's a great show. I think it balances education with fun and entertainment really well. Um, it's a great kids show, and if they if they brought it back now, I'd probably watch so it. Ten books for you, uh, for reading ten, Rainbow. Ten books for reading Rainbow. So, did this ruin my childhood? It did not. Um, it was it was pleasant. It was a great trip down memory lane. I really did enjoy reading Rainbow. Um, does it hold up? I'm struggling with that mm. because in a in a time now when kids are thrown onto screen time so early. Mm. 
and playing games and watching YouTube unboxing videos and toys, you know, being played with on YouTube. And there's just so much other distractions outside of reading, which is terrible and sad to say, but it's the truth, right? Um, I think it should hold up, but does it hold up? I, I don't know. And because of that, I'm going to go with an eight. Okay. I mean, also, though, I will say, yeah, I mean, you can raise kids differently. You can, but, I, you know. This it's is, hard. You're com- Steve's in a pessimistic mood today. Okay. I don't know why. All right. Is it because that creepy puppet in the corner over there? No, that's that's it's, Wally. No, don't... it's creeping me out. I'm gonna, you guys, I'm gonna take a picture of this puppet and put it on her Facebook, and you can vote whether or not you think this puppet's creepy. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I I know that you can't see our little studio, but I've been looking at this this. It's a therapeutic puppet, but I've been staring at it for like this whole hour and a half. Um, so together. Nine, Nine books, books out, out of, of ten. ten. Nine out of ten books. That's pretty good. Nine out of ten is That's very a high, high rating. And four out of five for the three and a half. Three and a half. And three and a half out of five for the snack. So not a bad week. Not a bad week at all to start off our back to school. Yes. All right. That finishes up reading Rainbow. But you guys, I have been waiting for so long. We started this we started this podcast in February, right? Yes. This should be I think this is maybe our 38th episode. It's getting up there. Okay. I have been waiting for a very very long time because I wanted to do ABC after school specials for a movie pick. Okay. And we have finally come to that day. And now is the day of reckoning. <laughs> I can't say it without laughing. There it is. Now is the day of reckoning. Okay. I could only find these on YouTube. We're going. I wonder why. They are 45 minutes long. So we're going to watch two like we would for. It'd be about, okay. the, be about the length like of a, a movie. movie. Okay. So you can pick one and then I'll pick one. Okay. And I'm going to read you. Nothing but the title. All right. That's the, I like that. That's the only thing you get. All of these that I'm reading are um, from 1977. It looks like to looks like the latest one is 83. They made them long after that. And I have one that was my favorite and I could not find it like it was done in the 90s. But here we go. Reading <laughs> number one. Reading, writing, and reefer. Okay. Number two. Have you ever been ashamed of your parents? Number three. Testing dirty. Okay. Number four. What if I'm gay? Wow. That's this is pretty not, early for that's, this. That's not I'm gay. It's just what, what if. What if. Okay. 1987. So a little okay. bit later. What are friends for? Question mark. Question mark. Uh, the gymnast and schoolboy father. It's no crush. I'm in love. And <laughs> a hitchhiking tragedy. And the last one is 
Very good friends slash beat the turtle drum. I don't know. Okay, well, it, it doesn't matter because I'm going with a hitchhiking tragedy. <laughs> okay. Because just the other day I was driving down the road and I thought to myself, self, you know what? Nobody hitchhikes anymore. That's, that's like a lost art. Well, now we know why. Well, we will. We will. Um, a hitchhiking tragedy is also called Andrea's story. And I'm going to pick... Um, because I think this is interesting. 1983, it stars Cynthia Nixon from Sex and the City. Oh, okay, yeah. And then later, uh, trying to run for political office. Yes. And then, and then again for Sex and the City. Right. Um, Cynthia Nixon, it's no crush, I'm in love. But okay. I also think it's possible that that one might not be as heavy as a hitchhiking tragedy. All right. So... Steve is willing to watch a hitchhiking tragedy. I am. Megan is interested in teenage love, apparently. And um, that is what is coming up. We are in the middle of a cycle, so we just did... Reading Rainbow. No, the the, the cartoon. Oh, so we, so we just did Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. That was our cartoon. Now we're in our back to school season. So we're doing Reading Rainbow. Then we're going to do the after school specials. And then after that, we're going to have our back to school cartoon. The Magic School Bus. The Magic School Bus. And then after that, we'll get into maybe some Halloween stuff. Yes. So that's our plan. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Oh, I want to say before we head out, Steve, we have right now... As we're recording this, we do these a little bit early. Um, we have over 500 subscribers. We're getting downloads like about 100 a day, yeah, typically. A bit, yeah. Um, every week we get, you know, around around that number. Around 700 downloads. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes per week. Um, we are quickly moving in on the 10,000 mark. When we started this, I never thought that we would have those kind of numbers. I thought it would just be you and I listening to ourselves on the podcast on the way to work. And, like, maybe my mom. <laughs> May, yeah, maybe. Maybe. For the ones that yeah. she knows. I don't think she would have hung in for 38 of them. No, probably not. But, um, yeah, it's it's just fascinating to me. You know, there are other podcasts that are, like, for entertainment podcasts, that's pretty unusual. So we're just, like, really thankful to you guys for listening um, for participating and playing along and messaging us. And um, we're going to be even more active soon on Facebook. We had a blog, but I found people weren't really going to it. So we're just going to post some of these things, like some pictures and some fun facts and places mm-hmm. places you can find some of this stuff. Um, we're going to be posting those to our Facebook page and, and hopefully um, you can follow us there as well. And um, yeah, we just wanted to say thanks for the listens and thanks for subscribing. Definitely. That's it. So um, we're also going to be soon on Zabe's show, our friend Zabe. We are, yep. Um, who will save Generation X, and uh, we'll be giving you more of those details when that show comes out. It's a really fun trivia game, and we, we got had- We got to guest star on it and go head-to-head, Megan versus Steve. Yes, and um, it's a really fun show. We played uh, some exciting games some games that we excelled at and some games that we failed miserably yes um so that's coming up as are the abc after school specials the drama we had some education for school steve and now we're going into the drama yes the drama of high school so uh yeah we'll see you guys then thanks for listening (laughs) 